Thank you for tuning in to The Mighty Dragon today. While I go on a trip back in time to some of my very first interviews on my blog, which was quite a few years ago, um, here with me today is writer, and I would have said screenwriter before, but now I'm saying writer, Mr. David Alton Hedges. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm well, how are you? Good, thank you. Good. I can see some rather spectacular things in your background. And I was actually, this is probably touching on my first question. When I first interviewed you years ago, you were on set. You were actually witnessing um, a film that you'd written being filmed, um, Scorpion King, Book of Souls. And I assume some of these little trinkets in the background are from those days, maybe? No. I think so. Yeah, it's kind of a bizarre collection back there, but you're yeah. probably right. <laughs> yes. How has this experience changed you actually watching your script being filmed? How has this changed you as a writer? It's interesting because, um, you know, by the time you get on set, you've probably written many scripts. Yeah. And the script that they're shooting is not necessarily your favorite one, right? Oh, right. For, okay. For various reasons, right? You may have collaborated or, you know, put things in that, you know, wouldn't have been your first choice. But the first thing that struck me is that I wish I had done another pass for dialogue. Right. Because okay. all of a sudden actors are saying your lines, you know, yeah. and, and nobody's more critical than you hearing an actor try to make your line sound good. Okay. You know, because what looks good on paper sometimes doesn't sound so great, right? So... Right. Um, you know, I used to do a thing where uh, I would get people together and do table reads. And I know a lot of writers say never do a table read. I think that's usually with professionals. Never do a table read with people that are actually going to produce your movie if you don't have to, because they may get cold feet if they don't like how it sounds. But right. the great thing about that is you get to hear your dialogue. And sometimes something you thought was wonderful is just awful the minute <laughs> someone has to say it. <clears throat> And you see these poor actors struggling with it, right? So um, that was the first thing that struck me. And the second thing that struck me is that, you know, a screenplay is maybe 105 pages long-ish. So there's not a lot of words in there. When you actually look at a page, there's a lot of white space. Yeah. Or there should be, right? <laughs> there should be, yeah. You yeah. Know, it depends on the script. But Sometimes, you know, I, I think we tend to not pay enough attention to some of the secondary characters. And then when you see an actor who has an opportunity to maybe say four lines or six lines in your movie, and that's very important to them. And they're putting all their effort into it. And, when, you know, and then you realize that for you, those lines were maybe just kind of throwaway, right? You just didn't think much about it. It was just, you know exposition or something yeah, yeah. moving the story forward right you yeah, know yeah. You, you call them you know man on corner so um it made me realize that i you need to really look at every line as an opportunity for someone else to really show their talent too because a lot of really talented people that just aren't at the level yet where they could be a named uh -huh. character or a star so yeah that that was that was probably my biggest regret was feeling like i hadn't I, I wish I would have spent a little more time realizing that even the, the most minor character is someone who just really is, is wants it to be their moment to shine. Right. Okay. So I guess what you were saying, first of all, the reverse happened when you heard dialogue that was just kind of like, oh, I just, you need to add that for some exposition. And it just sounded wonderful. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and also yeah, the reverse did happen where they um, some of the lines they that maybe the way I would have delivered them wouldn't have been very good, but they managed to 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 do something with it to make yeah. it sound better, you know. And and the and the director will sometimes say, "Oh, let's let's change this word or let's do that." Yeah. And Don was a um, he likes to uh, rewrite, so he did a lot of rewriting of scenes and dialogue. And that was interesting, too, because, you know, he's made a lot of movies. So he's had a lot of experience. And um, so he kind of knew what he wanted. So, you know, right. initially I was like, oh, you know, why did he change that? Like, yeah. I like that scene. Yeah. But and then later I'm like, OK, I, I get it. You know, I see what he was what he was doing there. And, you know, also sometimes the scene just doesn't work based on where you are. You know, sometimes the, the weather can get involved. Right. Prevent yeah. this great scene from happening. So. You know, that's, these are things that you can't really plan for, but you yes. need to be ready to, you know, tackle those things. I think that that reminds me of when I interviewed Philip Noyce, the director, and he said that about Dead Calm, that the weather, Mother Nature was actually the director of that film <laughs> because it was just as, as it was on that day. So, yeah. yes. Ah, so yeah. great. That was Memories of the Scorpion King. So over the pandemic, um, did you use that opportunity to um, sort of, continue on existing projects or start something new? Well, um, I did, and uh, it, it should have been easier and it was harder. And I think because um, no one knew what was gonna happen and we weren't, no one was meeting in person. So there were just fewer meetings happening. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you, know, you experienced this, there's, a, there's just a lot of fear and not, you know, just personal feel for people and, and their yeah. families and then not knowing what was going to happen with the industry. I mean, basically everything shut down. So yes, that should have been an opportunity for me to, you know, lock myself away and then, you know, write something amazing. But it really sort of evened out because the free time I had to write sort of balanced by dealing with all these other things. And then um, in this country, we had a lot of sort of social uh, people, maybe is the right word. Yes. So that created a, uh, an interesting sort of thing for me, kind of deciding where my projects were going. Because at that time, I was pitching Universal on the Canine reboot. Yes. So uh, it, when that initially was happening, not the best time for that pitch. So right. um, that was a concern. And I think I probably spent more time grinding on it and having them you know, not, not sure if they were going to do it. Um, because of, of what was going on, not just production-wise, but just sort of socially in our country. And then, um, you know, it's funny because you, you always imagine that if you had all this extra time, you would just get your best book written, right? But it just sort of evened out because it was there were so many other things going on and um, just trying to get people to meet was, was very difficult and to read because I think everybody was at home. Yeah. So that, that really sort of slowed the pace. And uh, I, I, I feel like we're coming out of it now. I, I think things are starting to get back to normal a little bit. Yeah. It's still very difficult for everybody, especially in production with the different tiers. I don't know if you're familiar with how they're doing it. You probably are. But it just sounds awful. I haven't seen it. But having these different you know, tiers of people that can interact and trying to make that happen on set, it's hard enough anyway, right, to make yeah. a movie or a show. Yes. It's just chaos. So having to do it, you know, in under those circumstances, I, I don't know how they're doing it, but uh, I feel like people are kind of 
ready to hear more things again and hear more ideas and sort of, I don't know if everybody's back to work. I don't think so, but yeah, that'll, that'll make things better. I think a few of my writer buddies on Facebook, they were like, get get all your scripts in. They're being snapped up like anything right now. Like, all right. Oh, my uh, God. Okay. Like, apparently, yeah. I don't know if that's just Facebook gossip. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. Oh. It makes and, sense. You know, it was yeah. just such a big slowdown. And, and yeah. um, I think it was probably mostly because no one was sure if and when production was going to start up again. Yes. So why yeah. would you buy something if you're not sure if and when you're going to make it? Right. So, okay. Yeah. So do you um, think K9 will happen or what do you think? It's yes, it's up it's up and running again. So we, Oh my god. We, yeah, you know, we had some we had some considerations that it, it couldn't be like the original. I mean, the the world has changed yeah. too much. And uh, that's okay. And um so we had those concerns with the story and um I think we've gotten past them pretty well. And, and feel like we're moving in a direction with the story where everybody feels comfortable and we feel like it's going to be something that everybody will be happy with. Oh, right. Because you got to make everybody happy. You can't make yes. half the people happy. So yeah, that's always tricky anyway. But anytime you add kind of some of these other elements, it's, it's, it makes it a little even, you know, a little harder. I guess it is harder because you've got something that Pete, there's a, like a whole sort of oldies like me with the whole nostalgia thing. Like when I look back at Star Wars and things like that, and I'm super critical when anything comes out that's, you know, associated with it. So I guess you've just yes, got to definitely. try and please all the new people and the old people as well. And like, you know, it's quite a difficult task, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Re reboots are funny because they're, um, they're like the original, but not like the original. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's this funny game where you want to sort of, you want to call back some of the things that people like about it and that you like about it, but not make it seem like it's just a rehash. You know, yeah, that's, that's, exactly. a, that's a delicate balance. Yes. And um, for me, you know, uh, this is, it's the first law enforcement script I've worked on. Right. Despite the fact that I did that for so many years, yes, for some reason I've never done any any sort of police procedural or law enforcement related script, which is strange, right? What? That, why is and, that? Do you think? Why? Why is that? Uh, I think it's because I, I I didn't come into the business with that type of um, work. I, I came in with a very different type of more kind of like historical science fiction type of stuff. So the fact that I'd done that job didn't really matter to yeah. anybody at that point. And this is the first time it's really come up. So I, I think it's, you know, like a lot of things, I know so much about it, it almost gets in the way. Right. Because it's a movie, right? Yeah. You know, it's not it's not an eight-hour documentary on how, on how to do it. So yeah. you, you have to remember it's entertainment and... Yeah. Um, you know, I sort of use other people to tell me if, if this is realistic enough, which sounds absurd because I should know, right? But <laughs> I, some of the stuff that's real sounds ridiculous. And some of the stuff that's ridiculous actually, to me actually works story-wise. So, yes. you know, right. I, okay. I, I'm, I'm learning to, to not worry about that and let them kind of decide like, oh, does that work or not? So, yeah, hilarious. That's, that's great, though. Um, I was going to ask you actually about California and a, a few of the filmmaker people that I've interviewed recently have said, you don't need to be there anymore. If you're really serious about this, you can be anywhere. And actually, the, you should head to Atlanta because that's where it's all happening now. What do you think about that? Do you think California is still the right place or? Um, I, I think uh, Hollywood is still in Hollywood. And uh, I, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. 
however, uh, I think that in times past, it was you were either working in Hollywood or you weren't working at all. Mm. And I think the digital age and the internet is, has really changed that. So I don't think it's either you're, you're in or you're out. It's very difficult, difficult to break into Hollywood. Everybody knows this. And what I think what people don't understand is it's not just difficult to break in. It's very difficult to stay in. Yes. I mean, it's it, it's always trying to sort of spin you out. So, you know, and every year there's a new crop of fresh, you know, graduates from film schools whose dream it is to be there. So it's highly competitive. And um, that's where, you know, a lot of the money is. So that's where the, the you know, the most of the big productions are happening. But um, I do agree that, you know, there are so many places you can go now and find other creative people. And I think it used to be, you know, well, if you're not in Hollywood, you're in New York or you're, you're in Austin or, or Atlanta. And now I think it's anywhere. I think yeah. if, you, if you can find people that are creative anywhere and you can, you know, um, create things together, writers and, and filmmakers, and sort of support each other and help each other, I, I think there's not only a chance that you can find success that way, but, you know, a new opportunity to get the attention of Hollywood by doing that. You know, right. I, 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 I've seen a lot of projects that have come from, from sort of outside that have been self produced that have gotten people agents and meetings and you know have been optioned so i i think that's more true now more than ever that that if you really if you really want to um create you don't have to be there yeah but if that's your dream to be there then it's probably pretty hard to do it from somewhere else yes yes um, we're talking about streaming and stuff like that and the way the audiences have changed um, a shift out of the cinema streaming Netflix and Prime and everything else has this changed you as a writer with how you want to progress in your career at all I think it has and, and, and I, I'm not sure that anybody really knows um, yet what it means you know it's um, it's changing so quickly yeah. And, you know, you think back to not not so long ago where, you know, movie actors didn't do television. If they did, it meant oh, their yeah. movie career was over. Right. Yeah. absolutely. And now and now they want to, you know, and, yeah. and by television, you know, television now means streaming. Right. So, mm. yeah, I, I think it is a brave new world for that. And I think, you know, it is about opportunity. Um, and I think it allows creative people to think more about different ways to, uh, you know, create content. It's not so much like I have to write a feature screenplay and then, you know, it has to get, I have to get an agent, I have to get noticed and it has to get yeah. bought. Now I think creative people can get together and talk about putting together really anything, their own limited series. And there's a chance for it to, you know, go somewhere or, or find the right people. Yeah. I don't know where it's going. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's really fascinating to watch this unfold and I do think it's just nothing but opportunity for a lot of yeah. creative people. But do you think as a, a writer, you'd like, ultimately like to see your film on screen and a, a cinema sort of huge screen for the masses to watch? Do you think that's... Yeah, I think that's, that's yeah. yeah, I think that's every screenwriter, you know, yeah. and also depend, depending, probably depending on, you know, what, what movies influenced you. Um, you know, you want that director to direct it, right? Yeah. 
So, yeah, but, you know, it's so rare now. And um, I, it, it, everything indicates to me that it's probably going to get more and more rare that, you know, just some somebody's spec will make it to the screen, the big screen. Yeah. And that's okay, right? Because mm -hmm. um, the world has changed so much and people yeah. no longer sort of look down on the computer screen as sort of a lesser form of entertainment. I mean, if anything, I think people might be more rabid about their favorite, you know, streaming show that they yeah. just binge watch and then watch again and again, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's always going to be hopefully James Bond movies and oh my you know, gosh. Top you Gun it? and stuff like that. I have not. Well, I think it opens <laughs> I, uh, later this week. You guys got it a week early. I don't know how you. Did I guess that, but, so. Yes. Oh yeah, my god, I'm sense. still yeah. in recovery. You must let me know what you think. Your theories okay, on yeah. this. Yes, I'll be very yeah. interested to hear that. No, I'm still I can't recovering wait. from this experience. <laughs> oh wow! So that fantastic. was a wonderful, wonderful cinema experience that actually I've not had in a very long time. So it was really cool. Um, finally, the last question: Tell me about Werewolf who I thought was a pervert on Instagram following my account. Werewolf, who's that? That's great. <laughs> Tell me about Werewolf. That's a nonfiction book that I wrote about my partner, my canine partner, Bragg. And uh, I was a police canine handler for eight years. And, you know, I had already been writing at that point quite a bit, sort of, you know, on my days off, I was writing scripts and, you know, sending them out and trying to get people, you know, interested in, in, in what I was writing. And right away, when I got the dog, I realized that this was going to be a very unique experience. And he was a very unique dog. So I, I kept everything. I, I just started taking notes. Oh. And, you know, I'd been a police officer for, for a fair bit of time at that point. So I had an idea that this already how this was going to go, you know, because I already knew the job and I knew this is really going to change how I did the job. So I, I just every night I, I was taking notes and um, it couldn't have unfolded more like a book if I planned it. I mean, it really was probably the most um, changing experience of my life working with that dog. I mean, he really, he, he was just this presence and he was this personality. And, and then, you know, after a while you sort of blur and you can't tell whose will is whose and it just become this pack, you know? Yeah. And so luckily I, I did that because, you know, you always think you'll remember things, right? And then um, later you're like, oh, I can't remember, you know, what was that? And I would find notes later. I had completely forgotten these calls and, and these experiences. So thank goodness, I, at the time, I had the, had the wherewithal to write all this stuff down. And ultimately, um, I had made Bragg a promise that I would write a book about it. And of course, be careful what you promise, right? So I, uh, <laughs> once I did that, I knew I had to do it. And, and I, I, I put it together. And it was my first book. Yeah. And it was, it was very personal. So it was, you know, surprisingly difficult. It's revelatory, right? You talk about yeah. if, if you really want to tell a story properly, you can't, you can't put up a wall. And so I would give drafts to people and other writers and they kept pushing me saying, oh, you gotta, you know, we need more of you in the story. Like, the, like you're trying to write the story with you being invisible. That's not how it works. Right. So ultimately I ended up with this story um, and shopped it around. And uh, had 
publishers that really liked it and, you know, wanted to do certain things with it. And um, again, we were in kind of a funny time in our country. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't want to wait anymore. So, um, and this kind of goes back to your question earlier about, you know, opportunities to do things independently. Yeah. I decided to publish it independently and uh, it just came out last week and it's been so much fun. Wow. You know, I, I think that um, there's a lot of things that publishers can put into play that you cannot do independently. Yeah. However, the, for me, the um, opportunity to have control of it and kind of decide where it goes from here and how much time I put into it, um, I, I think was probably more valuable than I realized at the outset. Right. So the book is out and um, my favorite part has been hearing from people about it. I've yeah. heard people that I haven't talked to in six, 10 years have reached out and talked to me. Just random people have, have reached out. And, and that's really, I hope that continues because that's, that's by far my favorite part. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to read it. I have a copy, as you know. I'm a oh, bit scared, yeah. though. I'm a bit scared of reading it because I'm, I get really upset at animal deaths. <laughs> so I'm not sure oh, no. how I'm going to deal with some of yeah. this content in in the in the book but I will read it obviously and I will put it on my blog and uh, point everyone to where they can buy it obviously too so yes fantastic yes so th this was a whole completely different writing experience for you and are you going to continue that way do you think I no I, I definitely don't want to um continue in the, that non-fiction department first of all I'm yeah. a terrible researcher so the only <laughs> non-fiction book I could write really was my own yeah. And, um, you know, I just don't think it's necessarily where um, where my heart wants to go. I think I had right. one book, you know, about that experience and, and I wouldn't trade anything, but I don't think I'm a nonfiction writer. I, I really like, you know, yeah. making stuff up. So I, yeah. I, I suspect that's probably the direction I'll go. It does, you know, open up this whole kind of idea for independent publishing now that, that I didn't know anything about. Yeah. And you end up with kind of a crash course you know, in, in this process. And uh, it's, it's kind of like streaming. I mean, it's pretty cool that anybody can put something out there. And, and there's a lot of work, I'm sure that no publisher would ever touch that has a real audience that's completely unique and wonderful. Yeah. And now, you know, for virtually no cost, someone can get it out there, which yes. is great. I think that's so brilliant. for no matter what you write. No matter what yeah. you create, the world is definitely changing. It's definitely more opportunities to get things done, no matter where you are. And, and I, yeah. I think that's really great. Thank you for sharing that powerful message for all of us trying to scrape through and do it. I think it's it's really good. Thank you, David. Yeah, you and that was, yeah, my last, was my last. That was my last question, so I wasn't lying. So thank you anyway, and hopefully I'll catch up with you in another few years on the Mighty Dragon and see where you're at and what you're doing. Fantastic. Okay, take care. Speak good. to you okay, soon. Then. Bye. Nice talking to you. Okay, bye-bye. Big thanks to David Hedges for joining me on The Mighty Dragon. The links to his latest book, Werewolf, are on my blog. Go check it out.